everybody. This is Keith here at Pilgrims of Prodigals, and today on the show we have a special guest named Rebecca Lepke. She is a mother, wife, and a blogger. She's also an author, and she recently wrote a book about sexual purity. Um, and today on the on the show we're actually going to be talking about that, about her book a little bit, and mostly about things in the book where she brings up this idea of sexual purity inside the church and what's harmful about it and how it's been overemphasized. Me and Ben are just going to sit down and have a quick little conversation and uh, hope you guys enjoyed. If you do, hit the like, hit the share, leave a comment, leave a review, join our Facebook community. It's all free. Don't have to pay for a dime. So enjoy. Rebecca (laughs) recently wrote a book that she released, you said, two days ago, right? Yes. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Talk a little bit about that for a second. So I have no idea what I'm doing with a book launch, but um, I decided to write a book about a year ago after um, a friend and I who had grown up together in the later stages of the teenage years um, had had a discussion and I had told him some things that happened in my childhood before he came into the picture. And he said, Rebecca, I think you need to share this. I think this is really important. And I kind of went, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but from there, I started writing the book and it, it actually went through several different uh, titles and different um, nuances as it developed. It was originally just um, kind of biographical and then we kind of niched down and went just with purity culture, which I'm very thankful we did because it worked out very, very well. But basically, um, I grew up in Christian purity culture, which there's two kind of different sides to purity culture. And a lot of people don't know, but part of it was funded by the government. A lot of homeschoolers are like, no government control and all this stuff. But actually, uh, one of the main movement aspects was funded by the government because of high teen pregnancy rates. Oh, wow. Um, What? (laughs) I did not know that. Yes. That's crazy. I know. I I was blown away when I found that in my research. I was like, what? No way. And then I I found a couple things to corroborate, and I was like, wow, okay, this is a thing. Yeah. But... uh, Yeah. So then the other aspect of the movement is the one that I grew up in. And it started out as kind of in the same vein where, you know, the culture's got all these high teen pregnancy rates. The the two kind of aspects of the movement started within like a decade of each other. So it's kind of intertwined. But basically the Christian one, um, the one that I grew up in that turned legalistic, was started as just a push for, you know, having kids stay virgin until they're married. But then sure. some things that's came in. That's more important in. than anything, right? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were taught. It was... I mean, screw devotion to God. I mean, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... The secondary to the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was something, too, is even, even in that, uh, it started to become like the self-righteous, uh, I'm better than you, I've got a purity ring type yeah. of thing. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I think there were so necklaces silly. and stuff, too. I don't know. I, I never signed a pledge, but I did have a purity ring. And that was actually for a different reason than most people. Um, the way I grew up was that uh, 
men were not responsible for what they did because they were visually stimulated. And so anything you wore could potentially visually stimulate them. And if they touched you, then it was your fault. So I got a purity ring when my husband started. Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. And I, I basically had it as like a protection thing. Like, don't touch me. I've got a husband or I'm, I'm going to be getting married soon. Uh, I'm not engaged yet, but I have a ring and I'm taken. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. It was, gotcha. so, <clears throat> it was, it was kind of like that thing that uh, girls still do when they don't want to talk to a guy. It's like, I have a boyfriend, whether they do or don't, I have a boyfriend. Don't talk exactly. to me. But, but yours was like just a purity ring. You're like flash that sucker. And I was like, okay, I don't want to talk to you right now. Go away. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just that I was disinterested. I was terrified of men absolutely terrified um there was once and i talk about this in the book uh that one of the families that i knew in one of the homeschool groups that we were a part of uh they had two girls um and then some older kids but the girls were around the same age and one of the older boys who was about five years older than me at the time um i think he was maybe 15 to 17 um ended up taking either a knife or a fork from the kitchen, grabbing one of the girls, throwing her on the bed and raping her with a fork to her neck. And I remember when I found out my mom was like, I have something to tell you. And I was like, okay. She let me sleep in really late, which was unusual, at least to the extent that she had let me. And I was just like, okay, somebody died. And she told me, and I just remember crying my eyes out. And once we actually got back into the group, people were saying it was her fault and that it was just his five minutes of fun. And that was life changing. That is like an atrocity. That is like. So this is what like stuff like this is the reason that you wrote the book that you wrote and you're doing all these podcasts and thing is to is to address the terrible, I guess, what what sometimes is the terrible end goal of purity culture that some girl that went through that traumatic experience was led to believe that it was her fault. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Gosh, well, that's a great reason to write a book because that's just like, that yeah. is extremely frustrating and terrifying that that someone would ever, yeah. Sorry, that's that gets me emotionally because that's like that's just that's not what anything that uh, it just has nothing to do with the God that I believe in and the Jesus that I've found in the Bible. That is like that's the opposite, really. It's it's hurting the cause and not helping the cause. Do you think I, I can't too? Imagine. Do you think, too, that the whole idea of, like, purity rings and stuff like that would almost, like, objectify women? Like, oh, I'm owned. Or, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of, to like, a, certain a degree, thought I, think I had. It does. Yeah. Because if you have a purity ring and you're using it for the reasons I do, you're scared that, you know, somebody's not going to take your no. Yeah. So, because of those types of things. And so, you have to have some some guy owning you. Yeah. Um, to be able to be safe, which is absolutely to be protected. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's also terrifying. This is this is uh, <laughs> this is a messed up thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, like, for those that don't know entirely, I mean, we've given an allusion to what purity culture is, but if would you be willing to give some like background for those that don't? understand the lingo of purity culture, which is, I'm going to be honest, I might be in that boat a little bit, (laughs) but, uh, but what is purity culture in essence? So I'm going to 
potentially offend a lot of people who are like, that's not the purity culture I grew up in. But uh, here. Go ahead. That's what we're about. Dude, we offend people every week. Yeah. Welcome um, to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the purity culture I grew up in, basically it started out as you guys should stay virgin until you're married or you guys should stay pure until you're married, which is a huge, huge, huge thing that I'm going to address here in a second. Um, and it morphed from y'all should not have sex before you get married to, uh, you shouldn't hold hands before you get married or hug before you get married or have a crush before you get married. And some of the literature involved in that was uh, books like Joshua Harris's I Kissed Dating Goodbye, where he kind of said, and I'm not going to get this exact, but he he said that we kind of needed to treat any sort of affection outside of marriage as a potential threat to the marriage. That's crazy. Um, like, how how are you ever supposed to get married? Like, well... If you yeah. can't have a crush, you can't <laughs> just, hold hands, you can't kiss. You, like, how, how are you supposed to get married if you can't do that? Well, it gets <laughs> <Okay>. worse. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's, let's go deeper. <laughs> go for it. So um, with that, you got like the no-touch t- no courtships coming in where people didn't touch at all before they got married. Their first kiss was at the altar and things like that. Um, but beyond that, and this is something that I personally experienced, we were told that we could not have crushes because crushes were an emotional STD that would follow you into a marriage. Wow. And it, it meant that you had given your heart away. Really? Yes. Oh, and this what? was crushing. I spent seven years waiting for my first crush because I was like, well, dang, I don't want an emotional STD. Yeah. Wait. So like, yeah. so say you, say you had to go to the, you had to go to the doctor, like a woman had to go to the doctor, like to get tested or whatever. And the doctor's like, so do you have any STDs? And you're like, well, I had a crush one time, so I'm, I'm infected. Yeah, they basically. would probably laugh at you. They would laugh at you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. Jeez, like, you have to go to your pastor and like, hey, I caught one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like this. I like this boy, and I'm really sorry. And that's just it, it's so. Di- I mean, like, I'm sure that it was may have been created with the best of intentions for you and to better you, but it sounds like it just. Uh, put you in the weirdest environment to grow up around someone of the opposite sex where there's like an ocean between you guys and you're like, uh, you're one of the other ones. I'm going to hang out with my same gender friends. Like more like a weird and dangerous. I think more than an ocean, like a freaking prison fence, dude. Like (laughs) basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What happened? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say the culture I grew up in was, very much different. I mean, I guess it was more lax. Obviously, there was that you should stay a virgin until you're married because you should save that for marriage and so on and so forth. But like, I wasn't so ingrained or tightly held on to by the Christian culture I was in. I was kind of like the fringe guy growing up until I met I met Jesus for real when I was 17. But my whole Christian walk was basically like, okay, so this is technically probably not a sin if me and my girlfriend do this because... It doesn't explicitly say that like French kissing is bad, so I, th- I think I think God is cool with that. And that was that was like that was my that was me on the other side, motivated by uh, whatever um, you know fair, uh, hormones I had going on. I was like, how do I apply my hormones to the Bible and still get into heaven? And so that was the I was like the fringe guy who was not near. There wasn't near as much focus on me. But I think that's another part of the culture is that because you just happen to be born a female, the weight of 
like you said, purity is kind of set on your side of the fence. And that is true, though. We're yeah. so we're somehow off the hook because we're guys and we can't control ourselves. Yeah, and that's just yeah. not that's just not a, an appropriate way for that to go down. Yeah, yeah. I do actually know a couple of guys who have had problems with purity culture, but it usually manifests after you get married. Like the worst problems will end up manifesting on your honeymoon. <laughs> it is <Yeah>. not fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could take a while. I remember uh, a couple of my friends, they were like half and half. Some of them were like, oh, yeah, it's the best honeymoon sex. Yay. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. OK, good. Then I should be fine because my husband and I waited. Well, yeah, yeah. then I there was a lot of insufficient sex education. There was a lot of other things. There was a lot of anxiety because I had a couple people text me that night and the next morning and they're like, what did you think? And I'm like. Uh, yeah. don't know I'm a really private here. person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just very difficult for us. Um, because, um, and this is what I, I was going to say that I would revisit. Um, the rhetoric that says you should wait until marriage to stay pure or you should wait. Um, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but they basically swap purity with virginity yeah. so that when you get married, you're not just losing your virginity you're also losing your purity. And let me tell you, it is an identity crisis of like the highest order when you realize that after you get married. Um, Even though you know it's not true, um, the extent to which it was ingrained in us, it was our identity. Like above Jesus, above everything else, purity was our identity. And so when we got married, it was like, oh, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, because you're raised to believe. Yeah, you're raised. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. No, I just sorry. I had a short thing to say. Keith, say something important. Well, <laughs> because we're we're raised to believe in church that sex is bad until you get married, and then no bars hold. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's there's like, no switch. Yeah, it it's doesn't like just flip and everything's fine. Yeah, it's like yeah, people, bad, 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 bad. That. Married, do whatever you want, and then it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even even, but I mean, it's just like. If you have a, like you've been combed a certain way emotionally your entire life that this is what you should go after and then like you said there's no switch you can't just be like all right game time you know what yeah. I mean and then you're like this is uh just contradictory to everything I've ever done my whole life so give me a second okay yeah you know I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's really intense and yeah. you know I've had I have a couple of friends who are getting married soon and a couple of friends who have you know newly gotten married and I'm just like I'm here for you this is very very difficult I know yeah. where you're at <laughs> um but it's it's something that I've been so shocked is very widespread cuz I've always been told that you know oh you're you're very sensitive you internalize things easily and all this different stuff kind of gaslighting in a way and um yeah after seeing how many people deal with it, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the book for, you know, this handful of people that I know that need it. And, um, it's, it's obviously kind of broken the balance of where I had it in my mind as to what, what it would accomplish. Um, but there's so many things that I, I really hope people understand about it and, and actually I hope it helps them so that they don't have to go through that um, because yeah. I was so alone when that happened with me. And, you know, I don't really like to go into detail on everything that happened at that point sure. in time just because, yeah. yeah. you know, uh, my husband and I are kind of actually private about those things even though <laughs> I've written a book yeah. about it. But um, <laughs> basically, uh, I... 
Nothing but respect for that, by the way. Well, and two, <laughs> just real quick, it can be embarrassing too because you feel like, oh, I'm married. Things should work perfectly now, and then it's embarrassing. Oh yeah. To talk about it yeah. because you feel like it should. You shouldn't have those issues, but if it's there, it's there. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's literally not different than any other thing in your life where you have like a learning curve to sexuality and marriage yeah. versus. A, a complete life of no sexuality before that it's not like a software update where you just like <laughs> get where you just get it it's it's a it's a learning curve it's an area of your relationship that you have to explore for the first time and the expectation isn't that way even like yeah. you say in your podcast the the purity culture sets you up to believe that if you wait till marriage sex will be the greatest sex that has ever happened on the face of the earth yeah and and then you're like well I'm ready for that. And then you get there and you're like, what? It's you lied to me. You yeah. lied to me. <laughs> so I yeah. like, I don't know if there's any more, if you want to make any other points on that, you can, but I would like to get into the more emotional, um, more of the issues that are caused from this kind of culture rather than the culture itself. If you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your story. Do you know my story? Um, well, part of the reason that I wrote the book, and this is going to be the biggest reason out of it all. Like, yes, I wrote it for people who struggle after they get married or who are going to get married after life and purity culture and all of that. But mm-hmm. the biggest reason is because my friends have tried to kill themselves over this. And oh, they wow. have left the faith over this. Yeah, I mean, I've and, heard stories of yeah. plenty of people doing that. Not killing themselves, <laughs> believing the faith over it. <laughs> Let me clarify that. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I I have stayed up multiple nights every year, um, a lot of the year, uh, since I was probably late teens trying to make sure that my friend survived. Um, and wow. it's always been hard, um, but I I've always kind of just winged it with that. I've never really known uh, what I was doing trying to help them. And at this point, um, there was one specific thing kind of that I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I am tired of this happening. I cannot deal with people believing lies about who God is anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in light of that, trying to kill themselves or trying to walk away from the faith. Um, Obviously, there are people who walk away from the faith fully informed. But in this case, I would wager that most of my friends have not. And so it's it's been something that's very, very serious for me and, and very severe in its consequences. So that's one of the major reasons emotionally why I wrote the book, because those consequences are just absolutely unacceptable to me and despite the fact that you know a lot of a lot of parents and a lot of leaders want to sweep them under the rug rug because you know well we don't want to admit that our kid is broken we don't want to admit that this broke them and so we have to save face and what will the neighbors think and all this stuff which absolutely drives me insane (laughs) yeah because it's all that's all that's all image yeah yeah that's that's like everything you're saying is just like an extremely magnified version of like I think mine and Keith's heart on the same issue is that we're just like we're tired of things that have nothing to do with God, Jesus, or any of that whole spiritual relationship you have impacting the people that pursue Jesus in a negative way. Yeah. So we're yeah. seeing we're seeing people that are like 
I'm hungry to know who God is being, uh, I mean, in this case, like put on death's doorstep by a completely, it, like, not, I don't want to say irrelevant, but overemphasized unbiblical purity culture or standards that, like, it just, that's the thing that, that's kind of why we started this podcast is because we're like, why can't we just be honest and, and tell people that we're broken and we don't have it together? Why exactly. are we trying, why are we trying to, like you said, save face? Why don't we just be honest if we don't have it figured out? And then yeah. let's talk about it. And, yeah. but, but this is even more intense. Like we have people, I mean, I don't want to say more intense cause everybody's got their own journey, but like you have specific examples of nights where you've stayed up late trying to prolong someone's life and keep them alive or keep them in a, you know, in the faith or so, wow, that is incredible. Thank, I, I, I want to thank you for bringing all the awareness to this because I know that there's problems in church, but this is like, this is like, we need to get on this. You know what yeah. I mean? Every, yeah. Like if you, everyone listening to the podcast, I hope people, I hope the book does awesome and people start listening to your podcast because this is crazy. We just need to, sh- we need to shake this up until it falls apart. Basically, the whole period. Yeah. Well, what it all comes down to, I mean, just from an outside perspective, uneducated, I don't really know much about it. <clears throat> but for me, like, it all comes down to this idea of abuse inside church culture where mm-hmm. pastors or leaders, they want to manipulate and they want to control. And I'm not saying all pastors are like this because there's really good ones out there. But yeah. Oh, yeah. there's so many people who have issues with this of people pastors and leaders and you know church members just manipulating and using things that are not even ungodly like where do you even find purity culture in the bible like like so i've got a friend who i've talked a lot about like you know what is sex outside of marriage where in the bible does it talk about you can't have sex with your uh significant other uh, till after the marriage ceremony because until I mean, it's legal yeah yeah, I mean, and that's just that's just legalities as far as the state goes. That has nothing to do with it in God's eyes. I mean, I've got a buddy at work. His, he's actually one of my supervisors, and he has been with the same woman for, I don't know, something, some 13, 14 years. They've got two or three kids together. They're not married at all. They love each other. They're dedicated to each other. Like, what is, what's any different? How are they any different from me and my wife? You know, yeah. that's kind of my question there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, Rebecca, you're probably way more well qualified to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. I am. I I don't know. I I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, be, my husband and I, uh, since we waited, we had struggles before the wedding, especially I would say three to six months up until the wedding. And part of it was. Um, and you know, I apologize in advance if this freaks you out, but, uh, (laughs) my husband and I have an eight year age difference. So I was 18 when we got married and he was 26 and we had already known each other. I believe it was four years by the time we got married. And Mm -hmm. by the time we decided to start dating. So when I turned 16, we started dating. We already knew that we were going to get married. So Our courtship or dating period was basically prolonging when we were going to have sex um, because <laughs> we knew that it wasn't um, it wasn't 
going to be beneficial for us to just uh, be willy-nilly about affection because we did want to wait until we were legal. Um, and obviously, because of the age difference, there's different legalities with that as well. Yeah. Although the age of consent here is 16, so we were fine. But um, we were very, very strategic about that. So we were affectionate, but we kind of treated it like um, – I think his analogy was a drug where you get a hit and you want more. And so <laughs> we we literally set up boundaries for when we were going to be able to hold hands and kiss and things like that. And it worked really, really well. But at the same time, it was very frustrating for me to be in a position where I was ready to get married. Yeah. Um, I, I left my parents' house when I was like 16. Um, I haven't lived with them in years. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, so I was way advanced from a lot of my peers at that point. I had already been about three fourths of the way through college by the time I turned 18 and my husband and I were just like, can we just get married now? Cause, and, and in that time we asked those questions in like three to six months because we were like, well, what can we do? Like, what, what are we going to do? And we ended up talking to our pastor and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, um, he tried to explain a little bit about like the old Testament courtship type of stuff. Um, and I've seen conflicting things on that where some people are like, well, during the, during the engagement period, people had sex and things like that. So I don't know. We erred on the side of caution, but I'm not going to go tell somebody that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally, I totally hear you too, because we did the same thing. Like we definitely, like I said, waited. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely uh, yeah. still, even with questioning this right now, even yeah. if I were, you know, even if we were to go back in time and be engaged again, I would still probably do the same thing just out of caution as yeah. well. But yeah. that's that brings up another point for me, just a little side point for a second. How um, every time like there's a question that's brought up and and this may be completely idiotic and just tell me to shut up everybody if it's wrong, but I'm poison ready. I just (laughs) cannot stand how every time I, that you have a question for a pastor, the answer is always like old Testament. Cause I no seriously, like, because there's so many things that aren't even relatable in the new Testament, but things like things like tithing and such, like I, I understand the relevance and I understand the analogies and mm-hmm. making and how they look, how the New Testament church is a symbolic of the Old Testament church and this and that. But when you look at it, the New Testament church is a new covenant. It's something completely different. It's a thing where grace covers the law. So how can you have something where grace covers a law, but you have to keep the rhetoric of the law in the law of the law in everything that you do because I just I don't understand I, it. Yeah. I think I think I think the page that Keith is on is a page that I, I'm on too is whenever you said that about like you got some examples from Old Testament where there was sex during the engagement period or like I when I go to the Bible I definitely go to um find hope, uh strengthen my faith um, to, to learn what love really looks like and to, to know who God is. But I definitely don't go to, uh, 2000 year old manuscripts, uh, to, I, I'm not going to go there to describe how dating and engagement should work for my daughter, because that like that to me, there are some things that are just so cultural that like those dating tactics for ancient Hebrews are not the most effective for, 
my uh, 2017, you know, my, or it'll be later, but when my daughter is older, I'm not going to be like, you, you know, you see what I'm saying is that like yeah. some, some practical aspects of life have changed. And I don't think that God was like picked his favorite time period and which was <laughs> ancient uh, Israel and was like, everybody should act like this forever. These people yeah. are awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because yeah. even they clearly made mistakes. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, anyway, sure. <laughs> that was just my little uh, side tangent for a second. I'm done. Yeah, now. yeah. That's good. I- I'm actually really glad you brought that up. I uh, right before the book was released, one of my friends messaged me, and it's a childhood friend, and um, they asked me, uh, "Can you explain the law to me?" <laughs> oh. And I'm going, "Oh my gosh, no!" <laughs> um, so, but but I spent a week. I spent a week looking through all of our uh, biblical commentaries, asking my husband, because my husband used to be an elder, and uh, he's also taking Greek and Hebrew, and then we took Hebrew together, and I've had Latin as well, so we went through the old languages. I have my, um, oh, uh, it's not a polyglot, but I have a Latin Bible, and so I just kind of looked through everything, and it was actually really life-changing for me in a way, because... Mm -hmm. Um, while I've worked through a lot of the purity culture verses that were proof texted, um, I haven't really examined a lot of the other things that I learned that might not be correct. And, um, I've got, I've become very comfortable with that, which is very crazy to me because I used to be very insecure about anything that could possibly shake up, you know, uh, the Bible. And (laughs) now I'm just like, you know what? It's fine. Yeah. Because when it comes down to that, like, it's like, oh, well, this is complete. Which I do believe that the Bible is is completely true, but maybe oh, yeah. some maybe some things don't relate in the culture we live in right now. But when you when yeah, you're there, when you're scared in the literacy of the, what it's saying, yeah. When yeah. you're when you're scared that if something is different, that it's gonna shake your faith or make you not believe, you want to invest all solidity into that, and you it's almost like you could not like it's not even open minded at that point because you're like this cannot be wrong. Because if yeah. this is wrong, then I am wrong and I'm not going to be a Christian <laughs> anymore. But I mean, I have asked a lot of questions like concerning hell and what is hell and what isn't hell, um, who makes it to heaven, like what is all this stuff. And I'm, you know, and even down to like the um, how to read the Bible and stuff like that, like I'm. I'm in a point right now where I'm kind of deconstructing everything about my faith and figuring out what is true and what's not. And at the end of the day, I think even if I came down to realizing, which I don't think it's going to happen, but even if I came down to realizing that the Bible wasn't true or my idea of hell was wrong or this and that, that would not shake my faith at all because my faith is not founded upon what I believe about a certain thing because that goes beyond me and and who's yeah. to who's to say that I'm right or wrong I don't really care but even if and, I even if I found out that everything I believed about what I believed was wrong it wouldn't shake my faith because God is still real at that point and my yeah. my faith is based on my relationship with my savior not on the not on this scripture or that scripture and I'm yeah. not trying to take this point too far but like when someone has a view that's not like what Keith just described where or what you described where like there are some things that I don't know or fully get from the Bible and that's okay. 
when you have a mindset that's opposite of that and you're like, no, it's in here for a reason and it's got to make sense. You start drawing lines between dots that aren't really there in scripture. And I think you, it's the difference between, to, to use some of the biggest words that I know, it's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis where exegesis is what can I, what can I pull out of this text and learn from it? And then eisegesis is how can I put my own thoughts into this so that it makes sense? And I think there's a lot of people putting their own thoughts into the scripture so that all the dots do line up. But I don't think that God drew those dots. I think that a lot of men did. And I think that that's what happened. That's kind of things like purity culture get birthed out of those weird places where you're like, uh, no, that's relevant because this X, Y, Z and the Bible says this and that. And maybe it doesn't exactly say that, but that's what the most people have assumed. So we're going to go with that as truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and proof proof texting is really, really rampant in purity culture. Um, And it's usually exegesis where people are, you know, (laughs) pulling scripture out of context and things like that. There's two specifically that I remember. And one I just learned as I was writing the book because I never learned where people got no touch courtship. Uh, There's actually a verse uh, in one of the Corinthians uh, that uh, is a conversation between Paul and I guess Corinthians. But those people were messed up though. There's a reason he was talking to them like he was like, (laughs) Um, but they, I, it was a saying that they, that they had in their culture, from my understanding of, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And that's the literal translation. But in context, in, it, unless you're using KGV, um, which I could rant about that all day. All the way, baby. Um, but, yep. um, <laughs> but unless you're using KGV, it's translated as, you yeah. know, not have sexual relations with a woman. And I favor the sexual relations one over the not touching one just because there's no other place in scripture that says you should not touch a woman at all. And uh, so it's not corroborated by any other scripture. And in addition to that, it's a broken up conversation between Paul and the Corinthians. My husband likes to say it's basically a phone conversation where you only hear one end of the line. Um, yeah. So we, it's yeah. not really good to draw from that. Well, and also, that. also with that, that's where people draw these fallacies with the Bible. When you take a scripture out of context and you say, oh, well, it's saying this. But the overall yeah. concept that the Bible is talking about is not saying that. It's saying something completely different. But you're taking one scripture to make it say something opposite that God was intending for it. So therefore, you draw the line where there's like, okay, well, there's there are these two things, these two ideas about this topic that don't line up. So God is wrong. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was I was raised in a Lutheran church, and I still love my church. They never did anything like this to me. I actually learned all the purity culture stuff outside of my actual church. Um, Dang. Which they were hunting you down. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty intense. There was actually, let's see, there was a couple of youth groups that I attended. Um, there was a couple of homeschool groups. There was a couple of other groups that they kind of all taught that. And that's what my friends were doing. Uh, since we were gotcha. Lutheran, there wasn't a lot. It was a tiny congregation. So there was like two oh, other man. people that I was confirmed with that were kids. So like I didn't gotcha. have friends at church. So I had friends at other churches and I got pulled into other churches and that happened. But uh, one of the things, one of the scriptures that they pulled out of context, like you were talking about, um, I think it's in Jeremiah. I'm not for sure. Um, but it's the hardest deceitful of, above all things and beyond cure. And they I'm would just sure you're right. I think that's in Jeremiah. 
Yeah, it, they just took that section right there and said, okay, since the heart is deceitful, you having feelings for another person is wrong. It's evil. It is absolute evil. And I, I do not dumb. joke that when I so say that. That is so stupid. And um, in the book, wow. my husband had to rewrite this section with me multiple times because I was so absolutely sarcastic and angry um because <laughs> i i kid you not i heard that so much as a kid and i i actually I developed an autoimmune disorder from all of the suppression of feelings and things oh, so wow. like i have a lifelong issue i have to deal with because of this so it makes me angry yeah but um, I, would, I would be angry too <laughs> i don't, don't blame you at all but uh, anyways, we were looking at the original scripture because I was like, I know that's not what that originally meant. And I've memorized that before. So I know there's some stuff surrounding it that kind of it puts it in context again. And so we were looking and it's actually in the context of, you know, a people who had turned away from God and like were worshiping idols. So, yeah, of course, their hearts are going to be deceitful and yeah, wicked, very wicked. Um, yeah, but yeah, then, I mean, you know, the next line is. And who can cure or, you know, and who can understand it. And obviously that points you to Jesus. But if you don't yeah. have that, then you're like, well, crap, I'm screwed. And so it's absolutely hopeless. You always have to have the context of Scripture pointing to Jesus because even the Old Testament does that. But if you rip verses out of context, then you're going to lose that and you're going to lose the gospel. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that not in purity <clears throat> culture so much, but just used rampantly throughout the church where it says, like, the heart is the heart of a man is wicked and deceitful above all things. And there's, but there's other verses that you have to like balance that with. You don't want to take, like you said, out of context, like yeah. God says, and I'll give you a new heart that, yes, that exactly. loves you. In the same and so book. I, yeah. And, and, and I'm like, God, did you give me something wicked and deceitful above all things? Because if yeah. you did, that's kind of a jerk move. No, that but was I don't think that's what he did. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sure. And when I my first draft of the book actually had that second verse in there where I was like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you one thing and a different thing. And, you know, there's also the Proverbs, I think, or the Psalms has a lot of heart language where it's a renewed heart and things like that. There's a verse um, that we've adapted for communion at our church that uh, has something about creating me a clean heart of God. And I absolutely love it. It's my favorite. I have a journal yeah. with that verse on it. Yeah, I mean, when you um, think when you think about it, like that's the New Testament covenant is a law is no longer written on stone tablets, but it's written on our heart. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and something yeah. too with purity culture is that it shifts the focus back to Old Testament thinking because it, uh, being pure and leading a pure life becomes something that's defined by man for one and two, an obligation when it really it all boils down to loving our neighbor um, even when yeah. it's uncomfortable for us and not just loving our neighbor because we're under obligation to, but because Jesus did to us. Oh man. Oh, that's something our old pastor used to say all the time. Like I love everybody because <laughs> Jesus told me to, and I'm sure maybe his heart was genuine that he really did love people. But that statement is dumb. Like I'm not going to love anyone because I have to, I'm going to love yeah. people because the love of God is in me and I'm yeah, not, gonna, was, I'm not going to fake was, that. It was more along the lines of like, hey, guys, congregation, I just want to let you know, I don't really love you all the time. Yeah. But the, whole, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit lives in me and he loves you with an everlasting love. <laughs> and that flowing through me is what makes me love you. And which 
honestly, I mean, that's probably scripturally correct. And I know that's not what he necessarily meant, but it's funny to think about in retrospect. Yeah, it's like, wow, was that a compliment or an insult? I don't, I don't know how to yeah. take it. <laughs> that's like, kind of a really awkward way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one other thing that I, this is the one thing that I wanted to ask you, Rebecca, because we've talked about purity culture, what it is, the impacts that it has, um, all of that stuff, which is awesome. And, but for me, I guess where I struggle is that like, I, I have a daughter who's seven months old mm-hmm. and like any father that's ever had a daughter, I imagine her hanging out with, uh, young boys that were like me whenever I was a young boy. And, uh, and, and that, that scares me. And so my knee jerk reaction is to be like, make everything that could possibly love your daughter afraid of you so that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and and then I want to teach her, like, you are a treasure and you're so valuable. You should not give that away to anybody, but I don't want to take it so far as to create a situation like the ones that you're telling us about here. Because I, as a knee-jerk reaction, my fear is that I will, I will do bad things to my daughter's heart and her healthy sexuality later on in life because I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, and, and and like, it. What's the? What have you found so far is the solution to purity culture that doesn't? I mean, obviously, we're not just going to say like purity that comes from Jesus. So. <laughs> Go at it, kids. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. not that's not what we're promoting, but the balance, just like most things that I'm finding out in my spiritual life, it's it's about a balance that you almost have to find on your own. But because you've been in this, what is what does a healthy desire for purity look like for me to my daughter or parents to their children? Well, this is gonna be uh, hopefully not scattered. I'll try to make it. I know that was still. a really just um, awful, like that. I just like asked a question about everything that like, <laughs> sorry, that was a big question. And I didn't no, no, no. It's, and I don't have really any kids. So I'm going to be over here taking a nap and you guys wake me up when you're done talking about kids. So. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, that is, that's a very good question. And that is exactly what the parents asked themselves um, when I was a child and they, uh, used a lot of the wording that you just used. Um, so they taught that their daughters that they were valuable because of their sexuality, um, or they used language that taught them that. So I recommend talking to your daughter when she's older, and even now. I my son is two. I've already taught him basic anatomy, and um, you know, I tell him stuff all the time. I read him scripture. I I don't believe that he doesn't understand yet. Maybe not on the same level we do, but I absolutely already teach him stuff. So, um, oh, yeah. But what I'm teaching him, because while I know the female side of things, I also know that men are hurt by purity culture too. So what I'm teaching him and what I teach any daughter is that their worth is not found in what they do and don't do, whether that's sexually, whether that's, you know, in any other aspect of their life, their worth is found in what Christ has done for them. Um, because anytime we're measuring things based on what we do, we're going to fall short. But anytime we actually focus our eyes on Christ, that's that's basically going to reframe the entire worldview to where, you know, you're back to, wow, that he did that for me. I out of that want to obey him. I want to love 
the, the way he taught and all of that. And the way I think I phrased it in the book was, you know, my advice is to teach proper sex education and don't have it be uh, one specific conversation, but have it as, you know, along the years and whatever needs to be brought up and all of that. Um, and also, you know, I know that it can seem really difficult uh, to set like sexual boundaries with kids because yeah. for one, it's awkward <laughs> for some people. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, two, you don't want to be uncool or mean or anything like that. But uh, something yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make them afraid to talk to me about it because I'm exactly. so, I'm so uh, strongly educating them. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, one of the ways that they failed with me, um, the culture in general was that they, they literally just talked about it all the time. Like that was the sin. That was the pet sin. And it wasn't just a, here you go. Here's the information you need. We'll keep giving you information as needed. Um, but this isn't something that's going to define you. If you fall short, you can repent, you can ask for forgiveness and all that stuff. Um, so I would not put an overemphasis on it, even though it's really hard. I already know with my two year old, cause he's a big flirt. Um, he's crazy. <laughs> he will just, Oh my goodness. I have to watch him at the library cause he'll go up and like tug on girls skirts. Um, but <laughs> he's seriously son- a little player. <laughs> My son at baby dedication, it was him and this other baby girl. And during baby dedication, he reached over and started holding her hand. Oh, like, that's cute, though. <laughs> it was like, yeah. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, girl, what's up? <laughs> oh, my gosh. They get so flirty so young. I was not I scared. I was like, we yeah. have years until we have to worry about anything teaching him about girls. And now I'm like, nope. Nope, yep. we got to do this now. Um, but yeah, so I recommend, you know, not overemphasizing it. I recommend just giving the facts and giving the biblical facts as well as you know them. And the most important thing is when you don't know something, tell them you don't know. <laughs> yeah. That is like one of the best ways you could possibly earn their trust is is telling them that you don't know when you actually don't know. Because if you just have all the answers all the time and, well, I don't know about this, but I'm going to recommend you that do this because of some proof text that I have. Then they're going to be like, okay, well, well that, that doesn't really make sense. That's not what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to build trust and a relationship and respect and all of that by doing those things. And I don't have it completely refined because sure. I, you know, I'm still working through it. I'm actually planning on writing another book on um, kind of relationships, love and sex um, as kind of a guide for people coming out of purity culture, because there's a lot that you have to unlearn and relearn and all of that. Yeah, so it's going cool. yeah. to have things like that in it, hopefully, but I'm still working through it all. So I hope that kind of answered your question. No, it did. Honestly, that the, the first point you made is so, uh, so much Jesus in there that like you're not. <laughs> You're not you're not defined by what you do, and I don't want to, and that's what I'll do. I'll just I don't I mean obviously I'll teach her that like there the I mean teach her the, that it is unwisdom or uh, it would be a lack of wisdom to unwisdom uh, pursue yeah unwisdom that's you can tell that <laughs> that's coming phrases. that's that's coming from the mouth of a very wise man unwisdom. <laughs> <laughs> It would be it would be an unwise there we go an unwise choice to pursue a relationship and get pregnant when you're 14 because not because it's going to destroy everything that's valuable about you 
but yeah. because it's just unwise and will harm your life in general. But then when it comes to value, I don't want to tie that in the same conversation because that she's not defined by what she does. And yeah. she is, she is what Christ has called her to be. If she's, you know what I mean? Following it, she is what God has made her. And that is precious, fearfully and wonderfully made aside from everything that she does. And that's just good advice for anybody to not have your identity tied up in what you do, because like you said, you're always going to let yourself down. So look to something else other than what you do to find your value. That's good. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep this <sighs> moment here at 11, 11, 26 AM, um, six, three, 2017. I'm going to remember this whenever my daughter is like, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> and we're gonna have all this all those great conversations you say it's eleven twenty six. i think your clock is off by a few minutes is it what is it what time is it i got eleven twenty, and i don't know where you're at rebecca but i'm in oklahoma well, so it's ten twenty one here nice i need you oh Keith, so I'm you, you had to wake up some, early for this <laughs> i'm gonna need some proof text to prove that it's eleven twenty. okay <laughs> From everything that I can see, it's eleven twenty-six. Okay, nope, so okay, uh, hold on. Yeah. I'm pulling some proof text from my iPhone. It's eleven twenty-one. You might be right. Yes. <laughs> so, so Rebecca, what's uh, on a lighter note? What's something that you like to do for fun out there in Oklahoma? Hmm. I like to. Let's see. I like to eat bacon and drink root beer and walk Ooh, on yes. the campus close to us with my son and husband. <laughs> bacon is good. Um, bacon is good. That's a really respectable lifestyle. <laughs> I'm not really a partier. I tried my my whole you know family and church is Lutheran, so we drink. But when my 21st birthday came at the first of May, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And I went to the store right next to the grocery store, and I bought wine, a boxed wine, and I brought it home. And I tried eight ounces of it, and I had two panic attacks. And oh, I later wow. googled it, and they were like, if you have anxiety disorders you might have increased symptoms with alcohol. And I was like, all right, who wants the box one? <laughs> so I that sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. yeah. I'll tell you what. I I definitely, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat as that. You I have feel anxiety attacks? Like, no, God dang it. Keith. No, <laughs> I don't. Have, I don't I'm learning sorry, so much not, about not, you, man. Not, not in the same boat. That. That stinks that your 21 birthday went that route, that your oh. 21st birthday that <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, route, I'm not making I, funny. I'm just cracking a joke here. No, yeah, but uh, I, I'm not a huge partier either. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a people person, but I'm not, I'm not a huge drinker because I honestly just don't like the taste. And I, I really believe that I was born in such a way that, like, I've seen – I've hung out with a lot of my friends when they're drinking. And, like, I just, like – after 11 a.m., I'm just like that all the time. I slur my speech. I say unwisdom. Yeah. I, yeah. I, You're and, just and always drunk, to, naturally. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to get loud and have a good time just naturally. So I don't need to drink something that tastes bad to get uh, lit, as the kids say nowadays. Moral, of the, <laughs> moral of the story, Ben's always drunk. Yeah, naturally. Always. He's 100% just always. of the time. If you, my sober is what you're like when you're not sober. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, after like 11 o'clock at night, especially after midnight and like if I've drank sparkling cider, something about it psychosomatically goes, okay, you should be drunk now. Even though, you know, I'd never had wine before that, but on oh. Christmas Eve, my grandma would be like, okay, Rebecca's having sparkling cider. She's going to be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> so, you're yeah. cracking me up over here. That is awesome. <laughs> 
turn uh, up with some sparkling cider. I, I, uh, I like to drink beer. Uh, actually, earlier this week, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm my tolerance level is getting like too high because I had like <laughs> eight beers in one night, and I literally was like, I had like a little buzz, but like I felt like nothing. I was, I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, I'm not the. <laughs> <laughs> just been like twenty bucks it's, to get a good. <laughs> it's like, man, this is expensive just to feel like. Eh. Oh man. Anyways, yeah. I guess we're uh, saving money by being acting drunk outside of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. You guys are exactly. lucky, man. We're living the uh, the discount lifestyle. <laughs> That's, it. You, That's just, it. you just stay up late and get slap happy, and it's free. <laughs> I just get grumpy when I stay up late. So, oh, yeah, I do that the next morning. I'm like, dang, this was a bad yeah. idea. Or if I get hungry, I I get hangry. My wife likes to call it, which yes. is uh, you get I don't. you get hungry, angry. Like when I get I, when I when I'm hungry, I just get well, not not hangry. She gets hangry. I get emotional. She says, <laughs> like seriously, emotional. when I'm hungry, dude. Like if I don't eat all day, I'll come home and I'm like. What is life, man? <sighs> you're, you're you like get really <laughs> introspective, and you're like, I mean, what am I even doing with my life? Yeah, I, I haven't eaten all day, and I just no, I don't, I don't even know. think about that. I'm just like, the world's still spinning, and I'm just sitting here, like time doesn't slow <laughs> I do down. That too. And... I do that too. Every time I get low blood sugar, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Do I need to go to the doctor? What's happening right yeah. now? And Thomas is like, have you eaten today? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's us because after I have like, you know, a cheeseburger or something, I'm like, "Oh yeah, life is awesome." <laughs> like, yeah. So like keep if we ever make an album together, yeah. when we're writing our sad songs, I'm going to need you to like fast. Yeah. So you can be in that really introspective place so you can get some good lyrics going. <laughs> that's it. All right, well, anyways, uh we're right at like 53 and a half minutes. Um so everyone Sorry about that. Um, everybody who is listening, which is like 30 people, thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> if you are listening, go check out Rebecca's books. It is sold wherever it's sold, not wherever <laughs> books are sold. Because a, Is it the scarletvirgins.com? Can they get the book there? It's scarletvirgins.com. And you can also go to Amazon and type in the Scarlet Virgins. And there will be physical copies hopefully coming out on the 6th. I know... A bunch of people have asked me today, where are the physical copies? And I'm like, look, this is my first book launch, okay? Yeah. It's not exactly going as planned. <laughs> but yes, there will be physical copies. So yay. Awesome. And, and they am... can get scarletvirgins.com. They can also get the podcast and all that other good stuff. Yes, that... all the podcast interviews that I've done with other people and all the podcasts that I've done alone. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, stuff. And... Well, I can't, I can't say how much we've appreciated you being on the show. It was awesome. Yeah. Good conversations teaching me things that I will remember for years to come whenever my daughter <laughs> becomes of age and goes through puberty. And it was also just really fun talking to you. And thanks for the awareness that you're spreading about all the bullcraft that uh, purity culture inflicts on people. Yeah, I had a great time with you guys. <laughs> awesome. Good. Good. I'm glad. All right. Well, Keith, thanks. I'm sorry I interrupted you a million times now that I've done it <laughs> one more time. Go ahead and close us out, my brother. Okay. So, uh, man. Do you have any funny? You have any funny outros? Because I got nothing right now. Yeah. Um, 
you know what, guys? Uh, I, I Keith, this is something that you shared with me, and I think it's really important to yes. just get this out there. That uh, um, if if your pastor, anyone that's listening, if your pastor is so fat that you feel <laughs> like he belongs in all five folds of the ministry, yeah, I want you to leave a comment below, and we will pray with you. Okay, because <laughs> that can be a frustrating situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was just on the spot too. Totally. And uh hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh like our page, like us on iTunes, give us a review, but only five star because we don't accept anything lower than that. Oh my god. Uh, join, Honesty is not a thing, you guys. Yeah. Uh, join our join our Facebook community and interact with us, give us topics. Stuff you'd like to hear us talk about, um, guests you would like to hear us speak with. If you want to hear Rebecca again, go ahead and let us know, and we'll set up another interview for that sometime. And uh, just, uh, yeah, blessings and uh, peace be with you and all that mamba jamba. Yeah, insert professional <laughs> podcast ending here and go.